Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. Natsana Darshan Leitner, founder and president of Sharat Hadin, joined me for a pre-recorded webinar to discuss bankrupting terrorists one lawsuit at a time. Ms. Darshan Leitner will speak for 15 minutes, then address some questions. As this is a pre-recorded webinar, we unfortunately will not be taking any questions from the audience today. And with that, I will play the discussion with Nitsana Darshan Leitner. Thank you, Stacey. And um, hello, everyone. It's a pleasure for me uh, to be here with you today. Um, a short introduction for Shuratadin, it's a civil rights organization based in Israel that utilizes the court system to go after, the, after Israel's enemies through the courts. And um, we've been um, doing this for 20 years now, mainly fighting terrorism and afterwards fighting everybody who threatens the uh, Jewish state. And the answer is in the legal theater. I would like to focus today on um, the recent threat against the state of Israel, which is the International Criminal Court. We know that um, since 2012, the Palestinian Authority uh, threatened Israel that uh, if uh, Israel does not agree to their demands, they will go to the International Criminal Court and indict Israel for war crimes. Why in 2012? Because that year, on September, in the General Assembly, they were able to upgrade their status to an observer state. As such, they had the liberty to sign their own treaty and to ask the court to join as a state member. And they did. In 2015, they broke up relationship with Israel and they um, signed the Rome Treaty, went to the international court, asked to become a state member and they were accepted. So now for the uh, past five years, the uh, International Criminal Court has been um, doing a preliminary examination, whether there are war crimes that Israel committed, that they have the jurisdiction to uh, uh, indict them for. And the uh, Palestinians brought before the court two allegations. One is that the uh, IDF soldiers are using excessive force against Israel, in, uh, against the Palestinians in their different operations. And the other one is that uh, Israel bid settlements in uh, the West Bank and therefore violates international law. We in Shuratadin were involved from day one, trying to obstruct any investigation and trying to uh, tackle any uh, intention of the court to go after Israel based on these allegations. We know that Israel has an answer to the first one. Um, you know, the, uh, there is a principle in the court that uh, if the investigated country runs investigation itself uh, for the alleged crimes, the court lacks jurisdiction because the court does not want to um, be a Supreme Court on any country in the world. It just comes into uh, to bridge gaps when there is nobody to investigate and nobody can bring to justice those war criminals. So we know that Israel has an answer for the first allegation because 
um, the idea of soldiers are not war criminals. Anything they do, they do um, with uh, full moral values. And if they do fail, and if there is a sudden mistake of their side, Israel authorities will immediately investigate them. They have strict rules. They have strict procedure. The military prosecutor will immediately investigate um, and, and indict if he finds any crime. The court system will judge the soldier, and if they find him guilty, they will put him in prison or will impose any punishment on him. And if the uh, prosecutor will fail to do so by mistake or even intentionally, we have the Supreme Court. We have the Supreme Court that can go and um, be um, the one that will force the prosecutor to bring the soldier to justice. In these instances, we don't need no court. We don't need an international criminal court. There are no crimes made. And if they are made by mistake, they are fully investigated and brought to trial in Israel. The other allegation is a little bit harder because the Palestinians claim that Israel violates international law by building settlements in Judea and Samaria in the West Bank. And this is an argument that the only answer to is that the territories are not occupied, something that the court will not accept, and something that Israel will not investigate. Therefore, Israel has a big problems when they come to deal with the International Criminal Court. What we did in Shurat Adin is trying to get into the case right in the beginning. We started filing criminal offenses against the leaders of the Palestinian Authority. We came and said, it's not Israel to blame for war crimes. It's not the Israeli soldiers. It's not the Israeli military. It's those who commit crimes against humanity on a daily basis against the Israelis. The first intifada, the second intifada, even the last wave of terrorism where Palestinians just go and stab innocent Israelis. And it's all run, we believe, by the Palestinian Authority, by leaders of the Hamas organization. Those people should be indicted for war crimes. We brought war crimes complaints against Mahmoud Abbas, against Jibril Rajoub, against um, Khalid Mash'al, against Ismail Nia, against all the leaders of the in the two organizations. But we did not accept the jurisdiction of the court, meaning we don't think that the Palestinian Authority has a way to go into the court. They are not a state, not according to the international law. They don't have any right to step into the court. The court here to investigate the situation, no doubt about that. The chief prosecutor, Fadou bin Souda, has been saying since day one, since 2012, that the Palestinians have a right, they can go into the court. She promised to be objective and to take it based on evidence basis. She wants to do it. The court wants to dive in. The, one, the courts want to take the situation against Israel to court. But we don't think there is any jurisdiction. And therefore, in order to make sure that we don't seem like accepting the court jurisdiction, 
we come and say the court can investigate those leaders of the Palestinian Authority because they have Jordanian citizenship. And Jordan is a state member from day one. The court should investigate the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, should investigate those who want and kill, indeed, Israeli innocent people, but based on their Jordanian citizenship. And here we expand the period of the investigation. If the Palestinians ask the court to investigate from June 2014, from protective edge operation, from a day after the kidnap and the murder of the three teenagers, not to include this crime in the investigation of the court, we come and want to open it since the beginning of the Intifada, since the inception of the court, since 2002, because suicide bombing, drive-by shooting, ambushes, uh, throwing Molotov cocktails, um, shooting missiles towards Israeli population is crimes against humanity, and they were done from 2002. Then when we do that, the court might understand who are the real war criminals. We um, now have to deal, to deal with the other allegation, which is the settlement issue. And this is a little bit harder, as I said. Um, the Palestinians say that Israel violates section 49 to the Geneva Convention. Uh, the Geneva Convention was enacted in World War II after Nazi Germany took over parts of Eastern Europe and made a massive population transfer into these territories. So section 49 decides that no occupying country is allowed to do a population transfer to the territories that she occupied. The Palestinians say that Israel by building houses and uh, encouraging Israelis to live in Jordan and Samaria are violating section 49 because the territories are occupied. Israel, as we said, has a great defense. The territories are not occupied. Um, you know, to occupy a country or to occupy a land, you have to take it from someone who owns it and nobody actually owns Judea and Samaria, the West Bank. The last one to have any ownership rights on them were the Turks under the uh, Empire uh, Ottoman, Ottoman Empire. And uh, in 2017, in the World War I, Britain came, took over this land. They took over Jordan, took over what's now is Israel, took over Egypt, Iraq, but they didn't have ownership rights. They only receive a mandate to administrate these territories. And after 25 years, the mandate ended, concluded, and now the British left. And there are two parties that fighting over this piece of land, the Arabs and the Jews. A war broke out, the independence war, the 1948 war lasted a year and a half and ended with a ceasefire. The ceasefire, the borders of this ceasefire was drawn in a green ink. And this is what his name come from the green line. But it had no political meaning, no political uh, implications. But Jordan, after two years, after, sorry, a couple of months, 
saw that there is a great piece of land attached to its border and decided to annex it. It even gave it a name, the West Bank. But nobody recognizes annexation. No country in the world, except for two, Pakistan and England, that had great relationship with King Abdullah. Even the Arab League was furious at Jordan for taking this unilateral act. They thought that this piece of land, the state of Israel or whatever is between the Jordan to the sea belongs to Syria, should be attached to Syria. And in 1988, Jordan gave up its right for these territories. So in 1967, when Israel took over this piece of land, nobody owned it. The most you can say about this land is that it's disputed territories, but they are not occupied. However, we know what the court's assumption is in regard with these territories. They consider them to be occupied. We know what Europe's opinion is uh, regarding these territories. Um, and who knows, even the Biden administration might change the recent decision of President Trump to end uh, we'll go back to recognize them as occupying. Therefore, on this allegation, Israel will lose. So we did in Shurat Adin, we're realizing that Israel is not the only country in the world to be blamed for occupying territories, that uh, Turkey occupies Northern Cyprus and uh, Morocco occupies Western Sahara and Russia occupies uh, Georgia. So we went abroad to work and complaint against Turkey for occupying Northern Cyprus. And on 30 page long brief, we detailed what, it, what Turkey is doing in Northern Cyprus, how they build universities, how they build hospitals, how they give tax incentives to their uh, population to come and settle in Northern Cyprus, exactly what Israel is doing in the West Bank. Now there are two complaints pending before the court, one against Israel for occupying the West Bank and one against Turkey for occupying Northern Cyprus. We believe that the court will not indict Turkey for occupying Northern Cyprus. Uh, not, uh, Turkey is too dear to NATO, uh, too dear to Europe. Uh, nobody wants to deal with Erdogan. So the most the court can say about this dispute is that it's not under its jurisdiction. It's not for the court to get involved with, it's for the parties to resolve it against, among each other. Having said that, the court will not be able to rule different when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The court's hand will be tied. What the court did after five years of the preliminary investigation is coming finally with a decision to investigate Israel. The chief prosecutor, Fadou Ben Souda, asked the preliminary judges chamber if there is jurisdiction because she doesn't want to go through this whole investigation and in the end will uh, be found as lack of jurisdiction. The court came and authorized her to open investigation once again. The court said it doesn't matter actually if the Palestinian Authority is a state according to the international law. It's enough that they signed their own treaty, they have a status of an observant state, and they coin, they join, can join the court. The uh, chief prosecutor just 
um, two weeks ago, allowed Israel to check again whether Israel wants to do this investigation by itself, if Israel wants to investigate her own crimes. Last, um, over the weekend, Israel came uh, with a decision after many hearings in the government, deciding not to collaborate with the court. Israel told the court very simply that they have no jurisdiction and they are not going to investigate any crimes. They are not going to collaborate with the court. We can't leave this thing open. We can't leave it only in the hands of the Palestinian and therefore Shurat Adin will enter the case, continue its fight, continue what we did so far. We are going to increase the volume of communications with uh, filing against the leaders of the Palestinian Authority and the Hamas organization. We are going to flood the court with evidence of the victims from the Israeli side. And as I said, we are not going to limit it to 2014 on, but we're going to open it from 2002. And this will change the entire balance. We'll show the court who are the real war criminals. We'll deter the Palestinian Authority leaders that for so far think that they are immune. Because if you read the chief prosecutor decision very carefully, she said she's going to investigate Israel. To balance it, she's going to investigate Hamas but she is not going to investigate the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority that started the whole thing, that pushed and moved the court to investigate Israel is not something under the court's jurisdiction. She is not going to be investigated. We are going to change it. We are going to court and bringing many, many indictments and communications based on the pay to slave policy of the Palestinian Authority. We have precedents in the court itself that incitement to terrorism considered to be a crimes against humanity. It's a crime that the court investigates. We saw it in Rwanda, where the leaders over there incited to genocide through the radio, just through the media. So if you incite to terrorism vocally and get charged with war crimes, if you pay for terrorism, you will be indicted for genocide. This is in order to deter the Palestinian Authority's leader, perhaps to lay back and not to push the court to go forward. It's a real threat. We know that once the court will start its investigation, they will issue indictments, they will issue um, arrest warrants against Israeli soldiers, against Israeli officers, they're not going to indict the state of Israel. They have only jurisdiction to indict personalities. They're going to go after individuals. They're going to go after Israeli officials. These arrest warrants will be honored by all states members of the court. We're talking about 128 states that will have to honor these warrants. Israeli soldiers will not be safe traveling around the world. Israel will be under sanctions to collaborate with the court, to indict those individuals. If the court will continue with this investigation, it will be a game changer. 
Therefore, we have to fight it vigorously. We will not let any go, any day go without us in Suradadin fighting back. We will not let a court in Europe to decide where Israelis can live, where Jews can settle, where the border of the Israeli state will uh, go through. We'll have to fight it because we are a sovereign state and we want to live safely in our borders and no international tribunals ever will determine the rights of the Jewish people to its own country. Um, this is what uh, in recent days we are involved with. Obviously we continue our fights and struggles and lawsuits against terrorism, against state-sponsored terrorism, terror organizations. Um, we continue our fights against the social media, Twitter, Google, Facebook, for uh, incitement to terrorism and for letting terror organizations use their platforms. We continue our fight against BDS, but I believe that the most dangerous step that is taking against Israel right now the International Criminal Court, and we will fight it. Thank you very much. All right, thank you so much. So the first question we have in is, what current cases do you feel most hopeful about having an impact? So I believe our cases against banks um, created a huge impact and still are. Banks are very afraid to support terrorism to uh, open bank account to designate the terror organizations or to uh, work in environments or areas that are um, full with terrorists. And uh, we can see that there are no banking system in South Lebanon or in Gaza, which uh, affect the terror organizations that uh, rule them. But also the case against the Palestinian Authority. Um, we just recently won uh, an enormous decision in the uh, District Court of Israel, uh, finding the Palestinian Authority responsible for 15 uh, acts of terrorism, terror attacks that were um, taking place during the uh, Second Intifada. And we are able to uh, put a lien, to assert a lien uh, in the, this case for uh, on half a billion shekels that belong to the Palestinian Authority. That creates a huge impact. The Palestinian Authority understands that the little support they give the uh, terrorists before they do the attacks, um, the uh, safe haven that provide them even after the attack, or perhaps the weapon that provide them with before the attack, or even the incitement to go and kill Israelis and up in the end of the day with hundreds of millions of dollars in damages against them. These are tremendous impacting cases against terrorism. Speaking of financing, can you describe the role Qatar plays in financing terrorism and what efforts are being made to address this through the legal system? So Qatar, I would call it the ATM of their terrorism. There is no terror organization in the world that uh, 
Qatar is the is the not funding, uh, beginning from the Palestinian organization Hamas Islamic Jihad, uh, continuing with ISIS Boko Haram, every organization on earth if they pledge to the Qatari government and to the Qatari uh, kingdom they um, they get paid they get granted. Unfortunately. Israel allows Qatar to um, formally fund Hamas. Every month there is a messenger coming at Ben Gurion airport with a suitcase full of $10 million in cash to give it to uh, the Hamas organization in Gaza. They claim it's uh, designated only to salaries of the employees in Gaza, uh, but nobody can really supervise it and make sure that this money is not going uh, partially to the hands of the terrorists. So we are in a very ridiculous situation where we find Israel on one hand fight Hamas and um, destroy tunnels that Hamas builds, on the other hand funds Hamas and perhaps even contributes to the tunnels that Hamas builds. We in Shuradah didn't understand that um, in addition to this formal path, there are informal ways of Hamas funds terrorism and that Qatar funds the Hamas and um, this money is going to uh, organizations, to charities, to funds, to foundations in Gaza. We have an intention to stop this by filing a major lawsuit against the Qatari charities and against the banks in Qatar and in Europe that allow this transfer of money to get to the hands of the terror organizations. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be successful in this lawsuit as well as we have been in previous cases against banks. Thank you. Has anyone been persecuted for threatening you or your employees for their work against terrorists? <laughs> Um, well, I'm uh, happy to say that uh, so far nobody threatened us uh, to the extent that they have to be prosecuted. We um, indeed received some, you know, hate emails or, uh, or phone calls in Arabic and such, um, but uh, it did not come up to um, to, to, to a life threat or thank God to our safety. Um, I always believe that uh, in Israel, there are a highest rank officials that uh, the terrorists can threaten before they get to me, before they climb you know, to my office, 13 floors and uh, find me somewhere. Um, we are cautious in, uh, in what we do, but um, We'll continue uh, doing what we do because somebody has to do it. Oh, thank you for that. What has involvement from the US government been like? Have they ever played a role? And if so, can you talk about the different levels of support from Bush through Biden? So, you know, um, the U.S. administration has been involved, uh, usually not so much supporting our cases, although they have, uh, there are some exceptions. So I can tell you a couple of examples. Um, in the beginning, we won a lawsuit against the Palestinian Authority. 
uh, for over $160 million. Um, and the Palestinian Authority approached the State Department and told them that, uh, that uh, they have to get involved in order to cancel this judgment or to stop the proceeding to enforce this judgment because uh, we put liens on all their assets in the United States. We uh, uh, got restraining orders against them. Um, all transactions they did in the United States, all their bank accounts, uh, their office, the salaries are paid to employees. So they approached uh, Condoleezza Rice under the Bush administration and asked her to, uh, to bring a halt to these cases. And Condoleezza Rice, said that she cannot get involved. It's a civil case. It's between terror victims to the one that claim, they claim was the aggressor in the case. And she recommend the Palestinian Authority to settle this case out of court. So for the first time, after many years of litigation, the Palestinian Authority's lawyers approached us to settle this case out of court. And that was a beginning of many cases to settle after that. On the other hand, um, Obama's administration got involved in a, another case that we had against the Palestinian Authority. That was a case that we filed in 2004. And um, after 11 years went to trial, uh, it was a case that was filed on behalf of 10 families that uh, lost their loved ones in uh, uh, terror attacks during the Second Intifada, where they all done, all the terrorists uh, belonged to the Palestinian Authority, they were employees of the Palestinian Authority, and uh, the Palestinian Authority actually paid them salary. The um, Palestinian Authority arguments when the uh, trial started was that uh, indeed these terrorists were its employees, but they were rogue employees. They did the attacks after work hours. They um, weren't authorized to kill Jews. It, was their, it wasn't their policy to uh, kill Israelis. But when the trial started, they found it hard to explain the jury if they were rogue employees, how do you keep paying their salary until today? These terrorists who now are prisoners in the Israeli jail continues to receive a salary every month. They uh, promoted in rank every three years. The Palestinian Authority pays stipends to the families of the suicide bombers. They call streets and town squares on the names of the terrorists. This is not how you treat rogue employees. This is not when your policy is against killing Jews. So when the uh, trial ended and the jury came back, there was no wonder that they found the Palestinian Authority responsible for all these terror attacks and gave us a judgment for $655 million. The Palestinian Authority was very upset. They hired a new lawyer from uh, New York to file an appeal. And uh, in the United States, in order to file an appeal, you have to pass the bond for the entire amount of the judgment. The uh, Palestinian Authority claimed that they don't have $655 million to pass as a bond. They approached the State Department for help. 
and the State Department under Obama's administration helped. They um, entered a letter of interest to the court saying that the Palestinian Authority is an asset of the United States in the Middle East. They don't want it to go bankrupt and they asked the court to be considerate. And the court was. Instead of $655 million, the court imposed only $10 million bond. So now the Palestinian Authority was free to argue its appeal. And they did not argue against the uh, verdict of the jury or the evidence brought before them or the testimonies of the experts or of the witnesses. They argued one technical allegation, personal jurisdiction. They came and said, the Palestinian Authority is not present in the United States. They don't run businesses in the United States. They don't have representation in the United States. Therefore, there is no personal jurisdiction. And the court had a dilemma because on one hand, um, we filed this case based on the Anti-Terrorism Act, which is a law that allows American citizens that were killed or injured in terror, of, uh, terror attacks abroad to bring their case in the United States. It's an extraterritorial jurisdiction law. On the other hand, the American constitution, the requirement for due process. But having before them the letter that of the State Department saying that, in other words, whatever you impose the Palestinian Authority to pay, they don't have the money to pay, the Court of Appeal went and vacated the judgment. We went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, knowing that there is a new pharaoh that didn't know Joseph, now it's under Trump administration, asked the State Department if they have a different opinion if the law indeed is constitutional. But the State Department under Trump came and say the law is not constitutional, that you cannot bring these sort of cases against the Palestinian Authority in the United States. There is no personal jurisdiction. And the court did not give us a writ. So now we have a final judgment against us. We went to Congress and said, there is a problem. There is a problem because we filed these cases and litigated for 11 years based on the law that you legislated, which was a very well-intended law, but now the Supreme Court found it unconstitutional. So you have to fix the problem. And the way to fix the problem is to legislate a law to reinstate personal jurisdiction. You have to come and say that the Palestinian Authority, if they want to continue to receive aid from the United States government, have to agree to personal jurisdiction when it comes to terror victims litigation. And I'm happy to say that the Congress passed the law, uh, President Trump signed up of the law, and now the Palestinian Authority has to consider whether they want to continue receiving aid from United States government. We are back in the game due to this change of the law. Wonderful. Our last question here is where can our viewers follow your work? Um, well, we have a website, uh, israelawcenter.org, or if you Google Shurat Hadin, it will immediately come up. 
on the website, you will get all the updates about our work. Um, please join our email list. The, uh, we send a newsletter every week, uh, updating our uh, members and supporters about the work, about decisions that we received, about cases that we file, about any development that has to do with our work. And uh, you can follow up on Facebook, you can have follow-ups on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, on Instagram, all the social media. And uh, thank you really for this question because uh, I would like everyone to know what we do, to understand that there is a fight for civilians, for regular people, for professionals, for laymen, for everyone to help the state of Israel. Private people build the state of Israel. Private people have to keep it safe. This is our job. And this is a privilege for the entire Jewish community to come and join us with this. All right. Well, thank you so much. We've reached the close of our webinar. Thank you again for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you very much, Stacey. All right, we've come to the close of our webinars. For viewers and listeners, please join us tomorrow, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an update with Ashley Perry. Please note the date change. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.